Well, I'm delighted to finally be back after quite a long break, making more speakeasy episodes where we get to know salooners and get to hear a little bit more about their stories. Um, really happy to be joined by Mark and Rachel today. Um, Rachel, can you uh, give me a, a quick overview who you are? Where do you come from? What do you do? Why did you end up or how did you end up in Cartoon Saloon? Okay, so um, my name is Rachel Schwartz. Um, I am from New York City. In Cartoon Saloon, I came here almost six years ago to work as a software developer, but now since uh, the fall of 2020, I've been a PhD candidate at Trinity College Dublin, but also at the studio through an employment-based PhD program. So how I ended up here is odd. Um, I, growing up, did a lot of arts. I drew a lot, but um, I was not, you know, good enough to really consider being an artist as a career specifically. And you grew up in New York, New yes, York? Yes, I did. In the city? Yes. Wow. Around um, where? I barely uh, know the city. <laughs> the Upper West Side around right. the Natural History Museum. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, so I actually uh, worked for, I think, about two and a half years there as like a paid intern. In the in, Natural History Museum? Yeah, wow. the coolest thing. Yeah, um, beautiful. Yes, um, but I always loved animation, and as I got older, I got more into math and science, and then I got more into math. But at the same time, I started teaching myself traditional animation, and I think I made like two and a half freelance, very short films. Um, and then I went to university and very quickly got completely absorbed in studying pure mathematics, but my professors were very uh, kind and flexible to me and let me pursue a lot of side research projects, which always involved using the math that I was learning with an eye toward applications. Which, which university was this? Uh, Oberlin College. Um, it's where Lena Dunham went. That <laughs> gives you an idea. What? Um, it gives me no idea. Like, is it a place <laughs> no, it to does. be an independent, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. TV producer or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? what? Um, but I had a great math program. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so I just was doing all of these independent projects um, where I was researching math that was well outside my curriculum and uh, drafting, like, research plans for how I might apply this to hand-drawn animation. And uh, when I graduated, I knew I really wanted to do applied math research for traditional animation technology development at a really high level artistic studio that did not seem possible at all <laughs> um, but uh, I through you know some like random internship program I managed to get an internship placement here oh, as really? a software developer wow and then uh, I just and you you moved from New York to Ireland to do that. Yeah, I, it wow. was like, I had like three weeks' notice. I'd never been here before. Holy cow! Um, Holy wow! Yeah. And what did your parents do? My mom is a fashion designer. Okay. Um, she's also one Amazing. of the yeah. She's she's one of the best red people I've ever met in my entire life. My dad is a political consultant slash very high level journalist okay. he's been nominated for for a pulitzer three oh times my gosh wow <laughs> um uh slash 
entrepreneur. Yeah. So, so very, very creative. And they were careers. very supportive of you. Did you have siblings? No. So they were very supportive of your. You yeah. know what makes me think when you tell me your story, which I've never heard completely before I've pieced together from being in conversations with you. Um, I remember going to New York in 2010 and we had a series of screenings as part of the New York Children's Film Festival and I was blown away by the young people, you know, like 8 to 13 that would come and have sophisticated questions for me about Messonson and, you know, they wanted oh my to... God, and I remember like, <laughs> wow, the kids in New York are pretty precocious. At least the kids that would have parents that would take them to the IFC to watch a, an, an, an Irish independent animated <laughs> movie about the monks who drew the Book of Kells. So it was a pretty <laughs> self-limiting audience, I guess, too. But I was blown away by a certain type of precocious highly educated yeah. intelligent young person I met in New York I can imagine you might have been yeah that, uh, like that as a kid yeah for sure um I was in uh the kind of school where at my fifth birthday party my parents hired a magician and uh one of my friends through the entire act after the magician who <laughs> was a grown man finished whatever trick he was doing, she would raise her hand and say, I know how you did that. And then explain. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, and the poor guy was losing his mind. <laughs> so yeah. Five year old. Yeah. That's the, that's dude. the kind of school that I, that I went oh, to. <laughs> okay. We have you well, we have you well placed. As yeah, we well, say in yeah, Ireland. Well, you have to have you placed now. Sure. You're one of the Schwartzes. Ah, yeah. Yeah. yourself, Mr. Mullery from Schlegel. Well, um, first off, First and foremost, I am a uh, close family friend of the Schwartzes at this point, I would oh, say. Oh, really? That's true. <laughs> Is it, are you a bit like Owen Wilson in the Royal Tenenbaums? You always wished you were a Schwartz and you want to know why you are particularly not a genius. I think, I think, this, is, I think this, this could be exactly the through line for this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. You do seem like you were a little out of place in Sligo. Uh, yeah, hearing, yeah. Hearing that, hearing the description of that upbringing, it was. Um, you it was not to be the in same. The the way. You could have been at that party. <laughs> no, but I was like, I was, uh, 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 I was saying to uh, not a uh, Noah Bombach character, but in fact, a right. Terry Flynn, a Paddy Kavanagh character. <laughs> exactly. I was. I was saying. I was. I was speaking to somebody who I know fairly well the other the other day, and we were talking about something about homework or something. And, and I said, um, "Well, you know, the thing with me, you know, my parents didn't go to school." And she corrected me and said, "You mean they didn't go to university?" And I said, uh-huh. "No, they didn't go to school. Uh, you know, did they really not? No, no. As in, as in, like, I think my, I think my father would have left school maybe when he was." 12 or something my mm. mother when she was nine very whatever, normal you know yeah. very normal for for that time so but it, this was like an irish person of similar age it was just kind of like you, you must mean wow. you must mean you must mean university and i was like no i don't i don't mean that yeah um anyway uh yeah, yeah. my dad went to university and was exceptional Sorry? you know like my dad went to right. university but grew up on a farm catholic family in the north of ireland yeah like like he my grandmother i think from that era like all her daughters are really high flying scientists. Most of them are members of Mensa and all this. Yeah. But their horizon growing up on a farm in the yeah. middle of nowhere yeah. well, in Northern so Ireland in my, was in my not case, including university, you know. Yeah, in my case, sort of family background there is that my my parents met in Coventry, which was an industrial city, you know, in the sixties, being ca- to car Coventry. manufacturing, and yeah. yeah. Uh, so they met there. They're, they're, essentially, their whole families had both kind of moved to right. Coventry. Had all just sort of left there, right? You know, and um, 
they met in like complete Irish um, uh, immigrant communities over there and, mm. and like had their first, their first two kids in the 60s okay. in, in Coventry. Okay. But anyway, I just, just even who I am in the studio, um, I am Rachel's PhD mentor on behalf of Cartoon Saloon. I am also, I'm the kind of overall studio technical director I'm a uh, director here as well, so I'm uh, co-directing one of the upcoming features at the moment, and I was your assistant director on Wolfwalkers, yeah. and I was one of Nora's assistant directors on um, My Father's Dragon, and I worked on The Breadwinner, and I did Puff and but, Rock. But and, tell yeah. me a little bit, like, there is a gap there. I mean, there's a social mobility story, right. for sure, which is interesting. And there's also a gap in your siblings. Like if your older mm. siblings were born in the 60s, you're from the 1980s, mm, yeah, right? I'm from the late 80s, yeah. Late 80s, uh, 87, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right on. Like you're 10 years, literally 10 years younger than me. And it's even interesting for me because I feel like I was the first of a kind of buffer generation between the people who left school at nine and the yeah. people who almost all went to third level. Right. Um, and definitely when I was studying animation, it still felt a little bit of a trade. It mm. still felt a little bit, not a degree. It felt a little bit like, you know, my mum was kind of, well, you got into Trinity. Why don't you go to Trinity? And mm. I was like, I don't want to do art history in English. I want to draw. Right. You know, and it was like, um, it, there was definitely a perception. And I think animation industry in the 1980s, when you were born, was definitely a lot more working class, I feel. Absolutely. There was more yeah, of yeah, yeah. a, it would, people were here because we spoke English like, and we didn't have to be paid that much. They were newspapermen before they were journalists. You yeah, know? yeah, it's something yeah. like that. And there was a, just a different vibe to animation back then. So yeah. I'm kind of curious for you to talk about how was it for you to want to be an animator? Was oh, that yeah. encouraged? That's a really how was it for you to go to Dunleary? How mm. was it for you to say, I'm going to work in this business rather than something solid like yeah. I don't know, manufacturing, carpentry. Right, right, right. Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, and you know... siblings, any artistic siblings or your parents, did they have an artistic sort of or any kind of creative lead? Um In a way, all of my siblings are artistic, mm. um, but none of them really ever pursued it as a career. Both of my brothers produce art one way or another but um w one of my uh one of my brothers is uh quite a skilled photographer mm. but uh i was the last of five and yeah 10 years younger than my than the next oldest than my brother sean right you know animation was interesting it was that kind of a, a weird thing happens when you're that much younger than mm. everybody else which mm. is that you're sort of you're part of a big family and you're also an only child mm. they all kind of you know you you never quite see them as peers so that's where it, you and rachel yeah. maybe even have yeah. some commonality i, th I think yeah. so i mean it took me it took me i was probably 20 by the time i started even thinking of my brothers and sisters as peers at all In the late 80s and early 90s, there was a 
distribution company in the UK and Ireland called Manga Entertainment. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my brother's... Manga Mania magazine. Manga Mania magazine, the exactly. VHS tapes, yeah. Exactly, totally. exactly. Well, um, I probably shouldn't have been watching them because yeah. a lot of them were... were Legend like, of the Overfiend. Legend of the... porn. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, uh, uh, as in, like, they were really interesting, uh, the, a bunch of those movies. Like, um, Akira was, like, highly cinematic obviously mm -hmm. like an, an incredible an incredible film that i, I think about i feel like i think about it every day on wow. some level i love akira so much even though the more i've watched it i i understand actually what a kind of probably what a problematic production it was because you can kind of see through it a lot but um a lot of the movies were like really good movies mm. you know like there was one called like venus wars mm. that was actually really really well produced mm. but was um but is is very much a b movie war Did movie Appleseed kind of Appleseed, yeah. yeah Appleseed is quite a cheap uh yeah. pr production actually but again quite good and the, the comic was good as well yeah i read the comic i definitely remember the comic yeah the one i would talk about the one that maybe might have had the most profound effect on me was um uh, Royal Space Force was like I think at the time maybe the most expensive um, anime ever made uh, incredibly beautiful complicated film and it got put out by um, it got put out by Manga Entertainment and it was one that I watched kind of when I was a kid and I was kind of like oh that's kind of boring but when I watched it when I was like 13 and 14 and started you know it's a movie about this kind of nascent like space force that's trying to that like a like they're trying to get win the space race from like a small monarchy in this like wow. alternate universe but the guy they choose is really lost in life and really ambivalent mm. and he meets this very religious woman who is sort of inspires him and he kind of tries to start a relationship with but it doesn't really Wow. work and then so much more sophisticated oh the movie is full of the disney movie, movies of the era completely and the movie is full of like in the background there are all these protests because it's in the middle of an attempt at rural electrification and wow. and everybody's arguing about how can we try to like all these homes have no electricity but we're putting a rocket up into space and quite like the 69 space race very yeah. much so very much so and so that was the film that really got under my skin there's a very uh, I, like it's really iconic but the the intro the manga entertainment intro that they played oh, before everything awesome. with a Celtic <laughs> frost <laughs> so good so yeah. I remember watching it with like Ross Stewart and we were teenagers and just the trailer before yeah. the movie started we were like that was awesome let's watch it again I, I made a I made a Wolfwalkers cut to it actually yeah <laughs> I did see yeah. That. I'll show you yeah. I loved it <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like and very like stuff that we're enjoying now with Spider-Verse mm. you know like action really great animated yeah. action that's, that's you didn't get that in you didn't get that I, Western uh, animation. Uh, uh, Royal Space Force is maybe an outlier, and Akira is an outlier, even Ghost in the Shell to an extent. But most of those other movies are kind of B movie action stuff, but they're cool. Yeah, like, they yeah, are just yeah. cool. And I know that some of them were like 15s and 18s and everything. They were kind of aimed at like yeah. young boys or yeah, whatever. Yeah, just yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. but like I was a young boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I totally <laughs> yeah. get that. I totally get that. But so your favorite cartoons were Japanese animation. They really were. Yeah. And you, Rachel, what were your favorite cartoons growing up? Hmm. Okay. I had a very limited 
media exposure up until I was maybe six. Oh. Um, I had, you know, uh, nature documentary films right back on. when they were good, right when it was just, yeah. you know, like dry narration yeah. and yeah. footage of animals hanging yeah. around. Yeah. Um, I had, I actually had Shirley Temple movies. I, I had like a whole box set. Um, and the animated films that I had um, were... Kiki's Delivery Service mm. and My Neighbor Totoro. Mm. And I I remember maybe being like four or something and watching the scene in My Neighbor Totoro where they're in the garden of their neighbor and they're washing all of the vegetables and they're eating them um, raw and mm. fresh. And I asked my mom to because she would usually peel cucumbers for me and I asked her to just like give me a bowl of cucumbers that were unpeeled and I remember physically trying to emulate the motion of the girls oh, eating the yeah. cucumber I just felt it so deeply mm. it's it's remarkable how especially for something like a Ghibli film where there is so much detail, but a lot of the detail is suggestive detail because your eyes and brain can only process so much. So they're really masters mm -hmm. at giving you exactly the amount of information you need to fully immerse yourself mm -hmm. in the scene without overwhelming you perceptually or overwhelming you know, Scott the Scott McLeod artist. has masking like, theory about that. Yeah, all. yeah. Like, I would really argue that is one of the main geniuses of Ghibli movies is that being able to walk that line. It's, it's I wondered, unbelievable. Did, I think um, Matoma Tezuka or somebody just stumbled on it mm -hmm. and then they just leaned in hard, you know, that yeah. this, this effect that I don't think was anywhere near as conscious in Western animation yeah. of that immersiveness. Yeah. yeah, but it's whatever they do, it's incredible. And that quality of being able to simplify, but also illuminate the entire world via representation and interpretation of it and to be able to do it to, to such an extent that I feel I felt compelled to try to recreate whatever feeling was expressed mm -hmm. in that scene as best I could mm -hmm. in the real world and just wow. like like experience it on a sensory level. Wow, that's beautiful. That's really incredible. Um, and then you know, <laughs> once I got to school and my parents figured out that I needed to engage with television in order to <laughs> socialize properly yeah, 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 yeah. um they let me watch uh nickelodeon oh, okay. and um then You're they realized the how nick generation maybe yeah ni younger? yeah real yeah, no. like like yeah. classic like 90s you got the like rugrats. um you got yeah the... rugrats uh wild thornberries oh, yeah, the um Thunberries. yeah i i, I really fascinating hungarian influence that. i'm a big fan of hungarian animation mm. really big fan of the keshkamit film studio and the klasky chupo era Mm -hmm. of Wild Thornbreeds and Rugrats. It's really interesting to me because it was such a different look. Yeah. yeah. Such a different look and such yeah. a different approach to cartooning. Like, yeah. kind of ugly appealing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Defi definitely. They had, ah, uh, real monsters. Was that Nick or? I don't know. There was, like, Klasky Chupo did some 
really far out stuff. Even the early Simpsons was classic Chupo. Oh, yeah. So it was a huge influence for me. So I love Eastern European animation. You know? As a kid, my favorite uh, cartoons um, were Batman because he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want, yeah, this is what I want to talk about a little bit because for me, um, I was a good student. I think I was relatively bright, but I was very anxious, right? Mm. And I want to talk a little bit about that, like about mental health and everything. I was an anxious kid and very anxious around exams. And I struggled with math. I found math really, really difficult. So did and I. I fe- really? I've, I truly, like, I was made to take a math class over again. Okay. I, and I had a, I had a, a horrendous <laughs> summer holiday where I failed. At, like, I was nine years old. And my aunt, very kindly, who was a teacher, mentored me for the summer in math. And I hated it. And all my friends were outside playing. And I was trying to, you know, and it felt like so important. And it became one of my earliest examples of a, of a, slight indication of the mental health journey ahead of me um and so for me the idea that i could do a job where i didn't have to do math but i could draw because drawing for me was relaxing like not not relaxing because i was always frustrated i wanted to get better but it grounded me in a way that it wasn't like oh i'm gonna have a sleep but i just felt very um it, it definitely seemed important to me and it seemed amazing to me that there was jobs where you could just draw for a living and I find most of my career has been a bit of a battle between all the other things that I think I'm pretty good at too and drawing like uh, the amount of times on productions where I found myself a week in to just meetings most drawing I've done is mean caricatures of people in meetings it, and it, I'm almost like how did I end up here like how did this happen the idea was to be one of those guys one of those the troops Don Bluth's troops yeah. you know that's all I wanted was to yeah. sit quietly and draw all day yeah. um, so it's really interesting I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about that with you both because I know you have a, a math background and also you had an alternative career path that you might have gone down with poetry so <laughs> would you mind talking a little bit about that Rachel and then we'll come back to Mark yeah <laughs> so um yeah, so I, I mean, I guess because we already sort of touched on this topic, um, I have quite severe ADHD um, just for, because I, I, I can't not say this, I don't consider ADHD to be a mental health condition okay, um, and, uh, and neither is it medically. It's a neurological condition. It is a misfunctioning of your nervous system, um, particularly parts of your nervous system that enable you to execute tasks. So I've, when it's really bad for me, I've actually been unable to answer yes or no questions. Like, you like can't make myself say yes or no. Um, just the word doesn't come out. Um, so I was not a good student um, for a very long time, but I think I was uh, like smart enough to get by, and it just it it just kind of seemed like I wasn't applying myself, you know, the typical yeah. <laughs> thing. Um, my parents were quite confused because they're very uh, self-driven people and couldn't understand why they had a kid that you know like <laughs> didn't seem mm. to be able to do anything. Mm. Um, but during that time, I was, you know, encouraged to focus on things that I could do well, um, because there were so many things that I was just useless at. Um, and one of those things was writing poetry, uh, which really took, uh, you know, maybe a 10 or 20 minute attention span, which is all I had before needing, you know, like an hour a nap. Um, so I 
started writing poetry and um, I got awards for it. And, you know, that is quite an incentive when you're mm. young and uh, don't have a lot of... You had to win. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. When you, when, <laughs> when you're young, don't have a lot of things that you're able to do at all or do well and uh, are just like struggling to make it through the day standing up, quite literally just having something <laughs> that you're successful at is uh, is something that you cling to. Um, but I really hated it. It made me really, really unhappy. And the more of it I did, the more unhappy I became. Um, wow. Yeah. Poetry <laughs> made me unhappy. Yeah, it was it was really uh It's a Stephen Morrissey quote maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um poor Yeah, Morris. it was it was it was not good. Um but then when I was 17 I got uh diagnosed with ADHD and started taking medication. What age were you? I was 17. Okay, so um, quite late. Quite late. Um uh and then all of a sudden I was able to have interests and maintain a train of thought and you know work at a desk instead of in bed and think about something for longer than 10 minutes at a time and life-changing yeah life-changing yeah and it became very clear to me that uh a lot of the stuff that I was unhappy with doing poetry was stuff that I uh was able to get from doing uh, physics. So I got really into particle physics and mm. astrophysics mm. Um, and pursued that for a couple of years and then <laughs> very quickly figured out that uh, I could only understand the physics if I understood the math behind it. Mm. All of the math behind the physics was really boring and there was a lot more interesting math that uh, was still related to physics, but um, just was much more intellectually stimulating and much more uh, creatively freeing. Mm. So then um, I went with that. <laughs> you went into more creative math. Yes. Wow. We can those two <laughs> words together. When I was young, I we can we can go we can go there. If that <laughs> was, for me, that was sort of writing boobs on the calculator. That is creative. <laughs> that was my creative math. Um, so, Mark, tell me then, you're, um, you're, you had a more, uh, something a little closer to my childhood only 10 years later. Mm. You were loving Japanese animation. You were in a regular primary school, I guess, or yep. secondary school. In secondary school, did you take art? Yeah, I went to a fairly kind of hard-nosed secondary school where there was always this perception that, like, there were the serious subjects you do, mm-hmm. but for the other boys, yeah. there was art maybe or home economics or yeah. something. If you just Woodwork. wanted to, yeah, if you just wanted to coast by or something Those like that. You can't do do art. Yeah, uh, and and that's a terrible that's a terrible yeah. thing to say, and it's basically not true. Mm-hmm. But but it was entirely um, not true. <laughs> but it was it was the perception. But but I don't even to be honest with you, I don't even remember choosing not to do art with some sense of like oh i wish i'd done that it was all just school you were just being chucked through school so how did you and the same i didn't do history either and i i I love history i I don't don't know why any of these things happened i took up art uh in the i took up art in the senior cycle Mm -hmm. uh late in the senior cycle when i realized i wanted to do animation okay which was 
a hell of a sort of right you had to make a portfolio so how did you decide you wanted to do animation then if you hadn't been drawing or um so or had you always been drawing i had always been i had i had from that point from whatever age i had been drawing but i had just been drawing like you know like everybody i was just drawing manga characters and stuff like i don't know what do what do 12 year old boys draw i was just doing stuff like that and um no, I mean, it was a chance encounter. I was talking to a, 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 a I ran into a friend of mine um, who told me he was going to go do um, film in IDT. And so he was doing a PLC course or something like that. And genuinely, there was just a, the first spark of just like, wait a second, there are animation courses in Ireland. Mm-hmm. It was just someone needed mm. to just remind me of that. Mm. And I just thought, OK, I'll That's go. OK, I'll, I'll go do this. Yeah. Uh, really last second not well, good <laughs> prior to that what do you imagine you would have studied or what did you think where did you think you were headed career-wise so the things i loved i loved english like i adored mm, english mm. and i think i presumed i'd end up in something like journalism mm. i got a better leaving cert in english than in art actually yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did i but we've explained why i did <laughs> um but uh yeah 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 it, i really loved english and um i did i actually did technical drawing as well um my father was a tool maker so he was kind of mm. interested in that and so oh, i meant to um, ask you about yeah yeah but so 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 i i did technical drawing and so i had wondered about maybe doing architecture mm. and on some days <laughs> I, your vibe so much. <laughs> I know on some days i kind of go oh right I didn't do that. Like that I almost have, have the realization. Right? That might have been you that. might have been an architect. Huh? Yeah. Mark actually has an exceptional natural intuition for pure math. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. If you say so. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> like like I will say things that he said to me to my friends who are, you know, either math PhDs or in math PhD programs, and they always say, You're telling me that this person has never interacted with a material before. Wow. The the, the <laughs> listenership can't see me blushing. Our, but, um, <laughs> we have a podcast with our um, chief financial officer, Paul Deegan, mm. who took a job in Cartoon Saloon to have more time to study math, pure math. He yes, he's, he's math. told me, yes. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting, Mark. So then you, you made a diversion, sorry, you made a, a, a kind of a, Oop, you came off the ramp and yeah. went towards animation. Left there. turn straight into straight And then into in animation. college, you were drawing, drawing, drawing the whole time? Yeah. I don't like that I don't have a drawing practice. Mm. Um, whenever I go and do life drawing, I'm reminded that I do actually love this. But something in it, something in it doesn't click. Something in it doesn't stick with me. And bits of it is probably like inferiority. Bits of it is just knowing that like, like mm. everybody has, which is, I know no mm. excuse, but mm-hmm. like, like when, um, oh, there are better people for this or whatever, mm. but to, to put a, so I, I don't have a drawing practice because I never seem to get a consistent sense of enjoyment with it. I never seem to, it never seems to stick with me quite long enough and i pick it back up every now and then and i drop it again and so on um it's quite interesting i think for the listeners to this to know that a cartoon saloon director yeah doesn't mm-hmm. have a drawing practice yes given that the studio is very much founded on yes. like drawing 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 I, yeah. I i will put if i could put up because i i guess i expressed that all quite negatively if i could put a positive spin on it um 
the moment I found myself uh, working closely with talented people and being able to draw work out of them and get them working as a team and get everything running, yeah. I felt a spark that didn't come from anything Got it. else. Got it. And so the any any feeling i had that i just don't i don't really i don't really like drawing or i find the practice so hard to keep up or anything like that it's always been okay because i felt like i because i felt so at home supervising and managing and directing and and you know even now i mean even just these last few months i've been working really really close with emily back and i just feel I feel like even just being able to draw things out of her mm. um, things that I almost always felt were just, were just there, were right mm. there, but it just needed, mm. it, it needed a certain arrangement. Mm. I get such joy out of that, 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 that's why I think I, uh, that's why I think I am in the right place. And it is maybe a bit of a contradiction to be in such a drawing studio. No, and no, not no. Drawing, it's very interesting. Yeah. It yeah. No contradiction. Yeah. You do a great job. You're very talented. No, it's just fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not, there's no criticism. It's, it's interesting and it's different. And for me, I've even seen in all honesty, I'm not the kind of director that when I animate a scene, it's to show everyone how it's done. I animate right. a scene because I just break my heart not to have a scene animated in the movie, but I don't think I'm the best person to do right. it. And very often I do feel like, mm, do I really want to do this shot? Because I know it would be better if someone else did it, but sure. I just want to have animated a scene. So I tend to animate a couple of like goofy, yeah. big action scenes, something and, that's not hard do, for anyone to do. You know, I do a lot of, I use After Effects um, and I know, I know my way around most of the editing software as well. I have been an yes. offline editor for shows yes. before, so I, I know I know how to do that. And I uh, compositing, I have managed a lot of fairly complicated shots by working myself personally. Some of the very complicated shots in my father's dragon, some of the flying sequences, mm. some of the um, some of the rolling camera shots and everything. Mm. Uh, I feel quite at home solving those, oh, yeah. and I love I love getting. I, this is going to sound wrong. I love getting pissed off trying to solve them or something. I love mm. the kind of vinegar it brings up when something's mm. not quite working mm. and you're trying to sort it. So I get that, but it's, uh, I, I, I get that feeling. I, I feel like working with you as an assistant director was an absolute blessing for me and me and Ross, because we're both much happier drawing than anything else, I think. Um, and to have someone who was working out all that stuff and to bounce stuff off I, I have so much respect and so much like admiration for how you work it's just and yeah I know that there's been many times in my career as a studio owner and director where I was conscious that I could stop drawing and right. do my job pretty well like it, uh, it wasn't necessary um, when I was surrounded by so much talent for yeah. me to draw and yet then I would well, just it's really then I would just leave the business so it's really funny Tom because every uh, probably Every two or three weeks, I'll be describing something to the team and I'll say, no, 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 like this, no, like this. And I'll eventually pull over a sheet of A4 mm. and a pencil mm. and people will go, oh, my God, holy shit. Look, he's doing it. Look. And somebody <laughs> will like take out a camera or whatever. <laughs> like, and, I'm not serious. Yeah. It's like, it's like, look, look at it. Look, that look, makes look what it he's doing. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it's a dog it playing a piano. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
I think somewhere along the line, I realized I'd missed that turnoff to be one of the troops in Don Bluth's studio, like to be a great classical animator. Like, in fairness, like in college, I didn't want to be a director. I wanted to be Glenn Keane. You know, I wanted right. to be like Richard Williams and Glenn Keane were my two, like two of the main influences. And the fact that they both sort of felt as though they were slumming it in animation, but maybe animation could be fine art was very inspiring to me, you know, yeah. um, but never would have, yeah, never would have designed. I couldn't have even imagined this. I, I really at some point realized, oh, wow, I've passed that turn off and this isn't just preparation for that. Now, this is a whole other career. And I wonder, could I do anything else at this stage? So yeah. I think it's like that. You kind of paint yourself um, a picture of what you might be and then that's it. Like, yeah, it's really interesting. Vision is an interesting <laughs> thing in career, I think, because I, I see a lot of people kind of floundering around looking for something pre-made that they can fit into and right. I just think you have to make your own I I think the three of us are probably it's much easier for us to say that than it is for other people to execute it I think each of us probably has a very distinct vision of what we see ourselves doing and uh, what we know we mm. like to do and I think you know in our ways we have conviction to bring that into reality and i i dearly wish that type of confidence and clarity for more people but i think it's i i think i think we are uh we are outliers in in our ability to I, connect I, with that i i used to preach this and i don't know if i do anymore i remember as a young man um there was like a tv hypnotist paul mckenna that had a whole thing of like picture your future and walk around in it. And I used to do that mm. and I did it. And it that's, happened that's for like me. not a bad prompt. I mean, and, and um, then John Borman, the director in a, in a book of essays about his work, he almost said it was almost psychedelic um, that he would go into a, a trance state and literally decide where to put the camera and like really play it all out. Right. Always identified really strongly mm -hmm. with that. But, coming back to your ADHD and like how life changing it's been for me to be diagnosed OCD and to realize that maybe Miyazaki's OCD, maybe Dick Williams was OCD, right. you know, to realize mm -hmm. that some of the things were maybe um, bugs, not features rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. yeah. That It's very hard to know if that's a good way or not, but it's very hard on you and those around you when you fixate on I'm doing this and I'm not deviating. Right. But yeah, it also seems to work. And so is there a gentler way to like, you know, build your own uh, vision I, I don't know it's a really tough thing yeah. and I definitely think I definitely think it's not for everyone and I used to advise it to everyone but I also think there's a gentler way to be in the world where you sort of are less um, fixated or less um, more open just more open to other things happening I think that's a beautiful way to be too and I definitely think a lot of artistic people I admire now are more like that like certain musicians and stuff they're very creative in the broadest sense they'll draw they'll paint they'll they'll uh, make music they'll you know and, yeah. and they, they're not like hardcore kind of like fixated and focused on one vision you know yeah um and i, I mean, definitely learned that like a lot of the detours i took um even as a director even as a director i've gotten more less and less uptight that it needs to be exactly as I envisioned it in my head and more and more open to it being you know other people bringing something to it you know yeah but I think I think the thing with that is I think that's a balance to walk and it's it's really down to how you are with your team because I think 
we all we all love saying that that like we want this to I'm I'm happy to kind of collaborate and see how this goes and I think the great thing about somewhere like Cartoon Saloon is that probably four out of five times the collaboration produces something a little bit plus mm-hmm. what you might have envisioned mm-hmm. yourself oh, or some sure. other idea that does it but we're also a lot of us also fixate on the times something was less than or couldn't come out the way it was in your head and yeah. and you're and you're you're trying to you're trying to scribble it down or explain but it. But it's and, taking the pressure know. off, dude, this idea that you have to be like, yeah, like the best animator to be a right. good director or whatever. It's kind of opening yourself in that sense. But the vision thing, the the like I remember the old studio, the Maltings, when it was just a shell and we were still a part of Young Irish Filmmakers. Every night I'd go to sleep picture myself walking around that building yeah. until I was doing it. Right. And that had a value in it. And I wonder if I'd been on my OCD medication back then, would I have managed to? I don't know. Even the first movies and stuff that I made, I wondered. And even drawing was a kind of self-medication and uh, or a self-help kind of thing. And it's always so interesting to kind of look at the aspects of ourselves and to see when something is functioning but we're suffering too much like yeah, that was really what happened with sure. OCD like this is working people are patting me on the back and giving me awards and telling me you're great and I was I was suffering too much and the people around me were too and it was really during Wolfwalkers that I realised I can't make another movie like this you right. know so it's just so interesting to hear other people other ways of doing things and putting less pressure on yourself so curious to spend the rest of the podcast Mm -hmm. a little bit in AI because it's on everyone's mind Rachel (laughs) what are your feelings on narrow AI and uh, you how much you would use it I see the present state of AI technology as something that is going to crash and burn um, much more quickly than uh it appears right now really? and I like the large language models yeah. and the Dali um, and mid journey. Yeah. Like, okay. And I'm much more interested in uh, the next generation mm-hmm. of, you know, what we're probably going to be calling AI. I don't AGI or no, no. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so I you think we're very far from AGI. AGI is not, it's not even on the table right now. I, Anything that we would reach that someone out there is going to call AGI. Just uh, for artificial, artificial general, 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 in, yeah. general intelligence. Not narrow um, would be just something that, like mid-journey, that just makes pictures. An AGI would be something that might decide to make a picture in order to convince you to, you know, buy something. Yeah. Um, anything that some someone out there might describe as AGI I'll believe it when I see it but right now I am coming in strong asserting that that is going to be confirmation bias just like 99.9% of what we see right now from AI systems that we interpret as intelligent behavior is confirmation bias I can guarantee 
from a technical perspective that, first of all, the AI systems do not have the capabilities that they appear to have. When I say that, what I mean is that Midjourney does not know what an arm is. It does not have any understanding of what an arm is. It knows that there is a patch of pixels that are usually shaded and colored in some specific way that to our eyes conveys shape and depth. And it knows that those patch of pixels usually appear in some spatial area in an image with respect to other patches of pixels that we would perceive as other parts of the body. It does not understand anything about what a body is, how it works, and there is no place in that algorithmic model to imbue that information into the computer. If you show a child um, who's never seen, uh, I don't know, an elephant before, 10 oil paintings of an elephant, and then you show the child a pencil sketch of an elephant, um, the child is gonna know that the pencil sketch and the oil painting are representing the same underlying concept. Neural networks in their current form, and I think this is like a fundamental flaw of the technology that can't be overcome no matter how much they train, no matter how good they are, they are never going to be able to extract an abstract understanding of what an elephant is from the oil paintings that can be reliably generalized to recognizing a pencil sketch elephant. That's just not something that they can do. Well, nice thing to end on, I feel. I could listen to you guys for, like, I could just do another hour or so, but, I mean, we've done longer than I originally planned. I really Thank you appreciate, for letting me. <laughs> really appreciate you <laughs> that both. That's point. <laughs> being, no, but I really appreciate you both being on it. And now, back to your computers, Poindexters, with your eggheads. <laughs> joking, I'm joking joking listen thank you so much guys it's really you guys really are a massive massive asset to the studio i'm so happy and proud to work i with really you. really love this conversation as, thank as, you yeah this as, was yeah. bright this was and fantastic. interesting and everything that, that means that means a lot <laughs> coming no, it, from it, it's a lot it, and i and i'm really glad we took the time to do it so thanks a million thank, thank you, you.